Hi, my name is Beth, and I am the host of the Seeking Light podcast. In a world that presents us with growth and challenges, there is tremendous light. And this podcast is a source of light through scriptural insights that I have gained through the years. Come join me as I share light in a world that can sometimes be confusing. Okay, today is a really special podcast episode. I am privileged to interview my nephew, Jerem. Jerem just got home from his mission in Detroit, Michigan, and I felt like there is um, coming home from your mission and the light that you exude from yourself because you have the spirit so strongly. I think that there's no better way to do a podcast on seeking light than having a return missionary and for Jerem to share a little bit about his mission, about preparing for his mission, about the things that he's learned. So Jerem, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm excited. This is good. Uh, so Jerem and my daughter Madeline are 13 days apart. So I had Madeline December 2nd and Jerem was born December 15th, 1997. So <laughs> yep. I feel like he's my child. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> okay, so Jerem, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody a little bit about yourself, starting, you know, about growing up and your family and your siblings and your mom and dad and things like that. Yeah, most definitely. So um, I, when I was younger, I grew up in a little town called Blackfoot, Idaho, down in southeast Idaho. Uh, I lived there until I was about nine or so. And um, eventually... Um, my dad's work took us out to um, Hillsboro, Oregon, um, city on the west side of Portland. Um, and I grew up there from about the time I was nine till 18 or so. And, uh, you know, went to college. I, I've got four younger siblings. Um, it goes boy, girl, boy, girl, girl. And uh, yeah, I'm the, I'm the oldest. I'm 23. Um, so I, I did go on a mission a little bit late, which uh, I felt like helped me a lot. It was definitely for me. Um, but yeah. Okay. Awesome. So how did you feel like as a child, you prepared for a mission? Did you think about a mission a lot? Was it on your radar or what were your feelings about it growing up? So I had always thought about a mission and been around, um, I, you know, in the culture of the church, we, you know, talk a lot about missions and about preparing for missions. And so it was always on my mind. Um, it was always something that I was like, you know, well, that'll be really cool. Um, but come to the end of high school and I did want to go, it just <laughs> it became very hard as, um, girls in school and, and everything else kind of came into the picture. Um, I, I struggled, um, trying to maintain my focus and, uh, especially, you know, it, it was just, it, it just was hard with, with girls. Um, it was so hard. I was like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do here. <laughs> so I did still want to go on a mission, but, um, I think, you know, it became a lot harder, um, as I got closer to it. Um, and that was something, I don't know. I, I'm, I mean, I do know why, like obviously Satan didn't want me to go. Um, but, uh, as far as things I did to prepare for my, for my mission growing up, um, my dad, uh, served a mission, my, my uncles, my grandpa served missions, uh, um, and so I feel like, you know, talking with them and, um, studying the scriptures a little bit, I, I really was never that great at studies. Um, but I, I did, I, for me, I had the, the 
desire to go and and I was able to push through challenges after a while and, and get to go on a mission. So that's awesome. Did you um, have a do you have a memory at a time where you kind of felt an answer that it you were going to go? Um, do you have an experience either at home or at college that was kind of solidifying for you? Yeah, something that was key for me. So, um, so I had just turned 20. Um, and at this point, like I, you know, it was, it was getting discouraging, um, trying to keep preparing for a mission and then having to wait because I hadn't made the right decisions I should have. Um, and so it was the end of the year. Um, it was actually, yeah, it was the end of the year. It was like the day before new year's. And I got in a really bad car accident. I got hit head on um, by somebody. I, um, they came around the corner too fast. They were going about 50 and I was going about 40. Um, and they just came over into my lane and just smashed me. I don't, I don't really remember it. Um, but I just, I remember waking up. I was super concussed. Um, my head had gone up and, and smashed my windshield. I wasn't wearing a seatbelt. I didn't really have any like major cuts and bruises or anything. My car, um, had slid into a gravel turn. I was on a really windy mountain road. Um, and if I had been about 10 feet forward or 10 feet back, um, I probably would have gone off the side of the road and, and down a pretty steep ravine. I, I don't know if I would have made it from that. Um, and so everything about that crash um, uh, was just in the circumstances of it uh, for me. Um, was very telling a lot of people were like, Hey, like God kept you on this earth for a reason. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, and I, I thought about that, but didn't really internalize it until a few days later. Um, I couldn't look at my phone The The light just hurt my eyes. And, and so I did spend a little bit more time in my scriptures and I came across the scripture in the doctrine and covenants, um, in section 107 verse 99 and a hundred. It says, wherefore now let every man learn his duty and act in the office in which he's appointed in all diligence. He that is slothful shall not be counted worthy to stand and he that learns not his duty and shows himself not approved shall not be counted worthy to stand. And uh, I realized I had not been learning my duty and acting in slothfulness. I, uh, I wasn't super diligent in preparing for a mission. I hadn't, you know, really gone and given a whole lot of study and effort into um coming to know jesus christ and um growing in in that way and um it, it that that really started to wake me up um and so that was the point where i actually flipped a switch and said okay um time to grow up like time to put put on uh, my big boy pants and and do this my parents were you know they had been really supportive about me going on a mission but you know, after, after I turned 18 and gone to college, it was kind of like, well, like, we don't really know if he's going to go a whole lot or, you know, and they hadn't really tried to push me um, in that direction. Um, they had encouraged me, obviously, and supported me, um, but they hadn't pushed me. And, and it just became a lot more of my own drive to go on a mission. And that was, that was uh, their, their support um, and, uh, and then my own personal drive helped a lot from that experience. So did you feel like that was kind of a turning point for you in moving yeah. forward? Mm -hmm. That was huge. Cause I, I realized at that point, like <laughs> I, it, it just clicked for me when I was like, wow, I need to learn my duty. 
Um, and without like going on a mission, like you don't know what your duty is on a mission. And then I was like, well, once I learn that duty, then I need to act in it. And it just became so clear to me that everything that I had to do it, it and it even talked about it in my patriarchal blessing. I just want to go back in time and just punch myself in the face. Sometimes <laughs> I, I, I well, get, please frustrated. don't do that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, uh, um, you know, I, I just, I, it was, it was a huge turning point for me when I just kind of woke up and was like, oh, you know, duh, <laughs> it was, it was a, a spiritual slap in the face. <laughs> so then in, you got your call, um, and you, it was to go to Detroit, Michigan. You were supposed mm-hmm. to enter the MTC on Halloween, 2018, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. So talk about that a little bit. When you got your call, were you at home? Were you at college? I can't remember. Yeah. So I was at home when I got my call. Um, it was in the summertime. It was like July. Um, you know, it it was really exciting for me. Um, I, uh, yeah, it was, it was really exciting for me. Honestly, I, you know, got the chance to, you know, be around family and friends and, and it just kind of felt like everything had been coming together. Um, you know, up until that point, like I hadn't really been making still like, you know, amazing decisions. Um, but I did like have the desire and, and I'd abstained from a lot of like the, the bad behaviors that um, I had um, been indulging in in the past. And so I felt that, you know, because I'd like been staying away from that, that I was worthy. I didn't really feel like I needed to confess a lot of it. And so, you know, just my time opening my mission call and, and preparing for that and, and everything was, was it, you know, I was kind of in a, uh, an ignorance is bliss kind of, <laughs> um, kind of state of mind. And then I entered the MTC great three weeks. Um, yeah. I how really, did you like the MTC? Did you like the food? <laughs> I, I did. It, um, yeah, I, I had no complaints. I was like, dang if it, you know, these guys are shelling out, um, you know, massive amounts of food for, you know, 10, 10,000 missionaries at a time. And, uh, and it's, I mean, for, for what they're doing, it's pretty amazing. Like that's a miracle in and of itself. Um, just the quality they were able to provide. I was like, eh, I, I don't care. I've never been a picky eater, but, um, I loved the MTC. I, after three weeks, I was like, okay, I, I feel, you know, ready to go to the field, but I, I really loved the MTC. I had a great group and it was awesome. Oh, that's great. Okay. So when you get off the plane and you're in Detroit, Michigan, what are your first thoughts? <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually remember walking. So, um, it's October and Michigan in October is not very warm. I remember, you know, leaving, um, Utah and, and before that Oregon and Oregon was, you know, pretty, it's pretty mild. It's probably about 50 degrees. I don't remember exactly the weather, but I remember getting to Detroit um walking out and just the wind and the humidity just just hit me I was like okay and and I just remember staying there freezing in my suit and I was like okay and, but I just you know I I really I was excited for it I felt like you know like this was this it just it was exciting for me like I just remember the wind and the humidity just just really hit me um and it was like I in norm like normal circumstances I would have been like oh man this is so cold and like complaining but I just remember sitting there just like my hands in my pockets just kind of nodding and taking everything and like wow like next two years like okay let's do it and I was just really excited so 
Okay, so you go to your first area. Do you remember the town you went to? Yeah, so I was in I was in a place called Canton, Michigan. It's about 15 minutes outside of Detroit. We had um, cities like Inkster um, and Wayne um, in our area. Um, it was a decent sized area. I was only there for about three weeks, actually. I remember um, something that was really key for my mission uh, was my first mission president. He, uh, I remember the the night I got to the uh, the mission home. Um, he, you know, interviews all the missionaries and he pulled me in and, and he said, brother, I, I want you to know first off that this is actually the most repentant mission in the world. Um, and I was like, well, that's interesting. Um, and immediately the spirit started to hit me. He's like, we send the most missionaries home that end up coming back out for repentance. Um, and that was very profound for me. And I knew immediately it just because I had let time elapse <laughs> from, um, you know, transgressions that, uh, that they weren't necessarily taking care of. Um, and so I stewed over that for about three weeks. Um, and three weeks later, I, or it was about a week later, um, I confessed to my mission president. And then two weeks after that, um, I was back on a plane heading home. Uh, and I was told by my mission president that I would, you know, have to stay home for about three months and come back out. It was, <laughs> It was funny when he came into the room and he told me, he was like, he was like, brother, and he put his hands down on the table. The angels are singing. You have to go home, but it's only for two transfers, just three months. Um, and this is amazing. You know, you're going to go in there and, and, and we're about to have his own conference. And he was just so excited for me. He's like, you get to learn the, the secrets of repentance. You get to learn about how to change your life. You get to learn how to set goals and grow and, and increase your faith. And this is going to be an amazing experience for you. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And then he left and I was like, wait, I'm going home. Oh, <laughs> it kind of hit me. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow. And I sat there the whole zone conference, just like, wow, this is crazy. Like, and I was really sad. Um, but yeah, my, my first three weeks in the mission were, were an interesting up and down. <laughs> so what was your mission president's name? Uh, President Cleveland, Larry Cleveland. Wow. What an incredible man. Mm -hmm. He taught you a life principle right there. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Um, and he, it was, I know I was specifically called to, to him at that time because um, I can't, I was able to return to the mission field about four months later. And then just about a month or two after that, he, uh, him and his wife finished out their mission and went home. And so, you know, just the timing was perfect. It couldn't have been any more for me. So what did President Cleveland do? Well, um, I know that your dad, my brother, Matt, has shared with me that he was the most loving, incredible person that he would reach out and contact and have missionaries contact you. Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I, while I was there, I'd met some amazing missionaries. There was, um, you know, amazing people there and, and him and his wife were um, just incredible people. Um, him and his wife both would text me um, and just ask me how I was doing, keep me up to date. And, and I would, um, he, had, he had given me a, a worksheet, um, not this like is, a worksheet. This is when you were home. He, he had sent you these things, right? Yep. Yeah. His wife had given me this packet um, when I had left, like this was at the airport. She gave me this packet and, um, and it was the miracle of forgiveness um, by Spencer W. Kimball. Um, 
some other like just like some general like worksheets and study sheets you know just to kind of like get myself thinking and um he it, he just called it the repentance homework and and so i would i would check in on him with that i um would send him my insights and, and different things of that nature and he just so loving so caring i had never looked at repentance um in a positive manner until i figured out that it was literally just setting a goal to be better um committing yourself to that goal and then pushing forward through the adversity to be able to accomplish that goal and just his loving um but very still firm um not you know uh not um how do i say it it, it definitely wasn't a pushover you know like he wasn't uh he wasn't going to yield to uh to anything um but it just his loving and tender attitude towards the truth was very refreshing. Um, it sounds like doctrine and covenants. Um, when we, you know, talk about the uh, priesthood, how, mm -hmm. you know, showing forth an increase of love, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. just he, he, he followed those steps beautifully. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He, he exemplified section 121. Um, uh, you know, he talked all the time about charity and love and, um, yeah, as far, as far as charity and love, like he was just a prime example of it. Just an amazing, man. I, I sent him an email, actually my, my very last P day in the mission. And I sent him some of the things that I had learned on my mission and, um, and just some of the experiences I was like, you know, I don't honestly know if you remember me too well. I was, you know, just a brand new missionary for about three weeks and then, you know, came back out and I was only there for um, just about a month or so. And, and then you left, but, and it's been almost, it's been two years now since then, but, um, I want you to know you changed my life and, and here's some of the, some of the reasons why, and, and man, it was, he, he wrote he, me back. Did he email, the, email you back? Yeah. He wrote me back and, uh, and just, he was like, brother, like that is so awesome. And, you know, he gave me some, some more things to work on and, and some things to do. And, and just kept encouraging me and I was like man this is just an amazing man I, I love President oh Jerem okay so after you was were the four months a struggle for you or did you feel that could you see your growth taking place and were there other people that were aiding in your progression to get back out on the mission uh yes to all of those okay. <laughs> they were a struggle <laughs> um it was it was very hard um it was honestly probably the hardest thing I've ever done um, un until I until I went back out on the mission. It was the hardest thing I had done up until that point. Um, I, you know, there's obviously the stigma of like, oh, you came home early. There's nothing wrong with you. Like, why are you home? You know, and like that didn't really bother me too much. Um, but then, you know, days go by, weeks go by. It's harder to study your scriptures because you don't have nine to 10 just blocked out for a personal study. It's harder to get up and plan your day and have meaningful activities that like will help you as you try to accomplish the different things that, that God wants you to do. Um, and, and I just didn't have the discipline at that point to be able to say like, no, I am going to do this uh, consistently. And so there were days where I was like, oh man, like I forgot to study the scriptures today. Like, oh man, like this is the worst. And and it was, it was discouraging at times. It was, it was very frustrating um, for myself. And uh, at the end, um, the last two months, I started to get back into a routine where 
I was able to say, okay, no, like, here's what I'm going to do. This is what I need. This is what needs to be done. And, and this is how I can do it. And, um, and uh, yeah, but the four months were, were very much a struggle. I don't know if there's a way to really describe it without actually going through it. And it helped me to gain a testimony of the atonement of Jesus Christ, because I like even people that had gone home, you know, like everybody's circumstances are so different. And, um, you know, through a lot of prayer and effort, um, I, I felt like, you know, I was able to at least start the repentance process like at home. And uh, my bishop, actually, another loving angel, um, gave me the addiction recovery program. It's like, look, I'm not trying to say you're addicted to anything. I don't want you to go to the meetings, you know, like, don't, don't worry about that. But, you know, call it the atonement discovery program and go through and just kind of, you know, analyze it in a way where instead of addiction, substitute temptation or this or, or that. And as I went through that and those steps, along with the homework that President Cleveland had given me, just really helped me to um, understand exactly uh, where I needed to improve, why I needed to improve, and what to do to improve. Um, and it was very helpful for me. Like that four months was, it was, it was hard. It was so hard. Um, but it was, it was so key in the rest of my mission because um, it just laid the foundation for me to be a, a more obedient, powerful missionary that could actually make a difference instead of just, you know, being on a mission for two years. When you went back out, did they send you to the same area? Did they change the area you went to? What did, what was that like? So, yeah, so I, instead of going back out and, um, you know, going back to the mission home, kind of having some, some wind down and okay, like, you know, let's get you back adjusted. It was, um, I got off. I, so I was informed um, Sunday night that I would be flying out Tuesday morning. And for some missionaries, it's an even faster turnaround than that. Some get notified Monday morning that they're leaving Monday night or something like that. You know, it's, it's a very quick turnaround. Once they know and have processed it, it's like, boom, okay, you're going. Um, and so that was a wild couple of days trying to get everything packed and organized. Um, and then when I, when the plane touched down, <laughs> I came out of the terminal, my new companions were there. They were like, all right, sweet, jump in the car and we're going. And I went to a new area. I was in the city of Pontiac, um, just on the North side of Detroit. Um, and, uh, we just, we just started working. I remember that, that first night just tracking in my suit still. Um, and, uh, it was, it was interesting, but yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was great. I just to hit the floor running was great. Okay. So talk about your companions. Oh man. My, I had such a mixed bag of companions. Um, you know, I, they, what did you learn? What did you learn from them? Oh man. Um, it depends on the companion, you know, some companions, I really learned an example of like, you know, who to be and what to do and why we do it. Um, but some companions, I also definitely did learn, um, you know, the example of what not to do and what it looks like when you don't love God enough to wake up on time and what it looks like when you don't love God enough and aren't powerful enough to bless people. Um, and so it was, uh, you know, towards the beginning of my mission, I had amazing companions. Um, and then like, you know, about halfway through my mission, me and my companion would get 
someone who was struggling or, um, you know, I, that, that was, a, you know, kind of the story of my mission. Um, and so it was, it was very interesting to see, um, you know, kids that would internalize the things that they, you know, were learning and then the kids that didn't internalize what they were learning. One of the biggest lessons I could, I, I learned on my mission was that the people that are humble and the people that succeed and the people that have God on their side are the ones who make the covenant and keep the covenant to always remember him. Um, and a lot of times, you know, <laughs> I would wake up on my mission and be like, man, I don't want to get out of bed. But immediately the thought would come into my mind, you know, did Jesus go into the garden of Gethsemane, fall on his face and bleed from every pore and just ask if there was any other way to have it, uh, to have this done just so that you could sleep in for an extra 15 minutes, you know, and, and ever, you know, it's, <laughs> there's, there's nothing that we can do to demonstrate our love for the savior besides be obedient. Um, and just do things. And so that was something that I learned. And, and that was something that I think a lot of missionaries learn and a lot of missionaries don't learn, unfortunately. And so I had a very mixed bag of, of all of that. Can you share a story of someone that you taught the gospel of Jesus Christ to and the transformation you witnessed? Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think. There's a lot. Um. There's a few stories that are really cool. I'll, I'll share one. Um, so one of the last people that I baptized on my mission, her name was Rachel. And she was, um, she was a Lutheran. She was about my age. She's, a, she's about eight months older than me. Um, she's about 24 years old. Um, you know, she had grown up all her life believing in Christ. Um, when we found her and met her, she was studying from the New Testament daily, um, just studying from the Bible daily and just trying to get insights, you know, learn more about Christ. And, and she said prayers every single day, you know, and it was it was really cool. Like you don't meet many people um, that have a strong commitment to, to study the Bible, to pray constantly and, um, you know, that type of deal. Um, but as uh, as we started to teach her, her, uh, her attitude was, um, very much, um, okay, this is cool, but I'm not going to get baptized. Like, you know, and it was, uh, there, there was just a level of, of pride there of like, Hey, you know, I, I know what I've been doing and it works for me. Um, she had some of the strangest questions I've ever seen in my entire life, like just insane questions. She, but she did a ton of research and a ton of study. Um, but slowly it came from, oh, like, what about this? Like, you know, how could, maybe it's not true because of this to, uh, well, wait, like, um, that's actually something that's talked about in the Bible here. And like, this actually expounds on it further. And like, yeah, it does actually. And, and, and so her questions turned from, um, you know, very like antagonistic to, um, very faith-filled questions. And she started to learn very quickly spiritually. I remember in a lesson, um, I, it was, it was really cool before I, before somebody would get baptized. Um, every, every person that I helped to get baptized, I always got a spiritual witness that they would get baptized, um, beforehand. 
and I got that, um, you know, middle of December. And I was like, okay, awesome. Like she's going to get baptized. And so at that point it became very bold. And I remember in a lesson we shared with her um, in Matthew chapter 14, when Peter starts to walk on the water. Um, and again, she was kind of at this point where she was like, mm, yeah, you guys have some good stuff here, but like, eh, like, is it, is it really true? Like, you know, it, it can, anyone can, write down good stuff anyone can write a self-help book you know like is this really true and and i remember asking her like okay rachel like if you're peter in this scenario like where do you feel like you're at and she's like well uh i feel like you know i'm i'm standing on the water right now but kind of like looking around and, and kind of noticing the storm and i was like actually rachel you're still back in the boat you haven't taken a step out yet you haven't even put the faith forward to say like, no, like this is true. Like, and experimented on that. Um, you've stayed in the boat and said like, is it you, Lord? Is it you? Is it you? <laughs> and you aren't willing to put the, the, your foot out and, uh, and walk on the water and see. And from there, it was almost like she was trying to prove me wrong. And, and so she started studying a, a talk every single day she'd study three chapters of the book of mormon chapters from the new testament she would cross-reference all these things she had m multiple questions she would come with uh they were really deep insightful questions and and now um she got baptized about uh, she got baptized in january um of this year and now she's she has a calling she ministers to um sister she actually spoke at the last baptism I had on my mission and uh, she she's spoken to the mission a few times now um, about like you know missionary work like she's talked to about 200 missionaries about missionary work <laughs> and so she became a very powerful um, servant not not and she wasn't living an awful life before she really didn't have to give up anything um, but she made a lot of heart changes um, rather than lifestyle changes and that was really cool for me to see Wow, that's beautiful. What about um, any families? Did you have the opportunity to teach any families? I did, yeah. There was um, in my in my fifth area. Um, there was there was a a family that we taught, um, and their names were were Brittany and Larry, and then they they had kid they had uh, six kids, all under the age of eight. <laughs> And uh, it was, you know, Xavier and, and it just, oh, just the cutest little kids. Um, and um, they, they were amazing. They, um, they, yeah, they progressed really well. I remember we met their mom and dad uh, on a walk. Like they, they were just out on a walk and we were knocking doors and we ran up to them and we we're like, hey, what's up? And they were like, hey, and kind of skeptical. Um, but we talked with them and, and they decided, you know, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll meet you guys at the library um, next week. And, and again, they, it was amazing to watch their progression. They uh, very quickly realized that, oh, yep, this is true. Um, and they very quickly progressed and, and they were baptized. And that was really awesome. How many did they, did just one of their children get baptized at the same time? So their living situation uh, changed while we were teaching them and so they they were able to get baptized but the kids had to go and live with um with 
her parents up in um, Jackson, Michigan. And so um, the kids, I know their oldest um, has been taught, is now being taught by missionaries. Um, and they're, oh, I'm trying to think, I can't remember if their second oldest is quite old enough yet. Um, but yeah, their oldest is now being taught by missionaries and he just turned nine. Um, and so he's excited to get baptized. They actually are going to the temple in about three months in the summer, if all goes well, if it, everything's open by then. So, yeah. Speaking of that, let's talk a little bit about COVID. <laughs> How did you navigate the changes that happened in the United States when COVID hit in March, 2020 as a missionary? So, yeah. I like that you use the word navigate um, because that was actually exactly the analogy that helped me. Um, the first month, so we, our mission was um, one of the first missions to get completely isolated in the U.S. Um, and so there was uh, several missions that, you know, were isolated around the world. And then there were six in the U.S. and we were one of those six. Um, and so for about two months, uh, no longer than that, about four months, we were on complete isolation, um, you know, and it was, you know, no contact um, outside. It was, it was, it was brutal. <laughs> it was really hard. It was not something that I would wish on it, but um, we, uh, I, it, it became very easy to become negative. Um, it was frustrating. I, we didn't feel like we knew what to do. We were like, okay. Um, especially in our mission, there's a ton of urban areas. We have cities like Flint, Detroit, Cleveland, Toledo, um, you know, all in our mission. And, and those urban areas, you know, you just walk outside your door and there's just people and you can just go and talk to people. Um, but as soon as COVID hit, it was like, okay. Um, we didn't know if we were going to be sent home. We didn't know if there was going to be other repercussions and, and we were it was just a period of limbo for about a month and after that month we kind of realized like okay we have to make the best of this like we actually have to you know start doing things missionaries start figuring it out more how to find on facebook and talk with people there and, and it was so hard to adjust to that um, it was a process where i realized i had a lot of pride um and it was it was hard it was very hard um, but then I read these verses in Doctrine and Covenants section 123. It says in verses 16 and 17, um, you know, brethren, that a very large ship is benefited very much by a very small helm in the time of a storm by being kept workways with the wind and the waves. And I thought about the area I was in, how there was easily um, about 150,000 people that lived in our area, at least. Um, and how us two, us two missionaries, we're supposed to try to help all of these people receive the gospel somehow. And it was daunting, especially in COVID. Um, but um, he talks about the time of the storm in that verse. And I realized like, okay, like if we just go down below deck and hide with everybody else and don't put in any effort, there's no one who's going to be at the helm of this ship. Like the Perrysburg area that we were in at the time is going to sink. We're going to get thrashed around on the waves and this area is going to sink. Like, you know, people aren't going to receive the message that needs to. 
the need to receive it and we're going to go down with the ship um, if we just hide below deck with everybody else and we don't try to work through the storm. Um, but yeah, then I learned in, in verse 17, let us cheerfully do all the things that lie in our power. Um, you know, not just, you know, being angry that we can't go outside and knock doors or bike around and talk to people. Um, and then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. And I, as soon as I was able to adopt that mindset, it took a while. It took longer than I, than I wish it did. Um, as soon as I was able to adopt that mindset and missionaries all around the mission were able to adopt that mindset, it became a lot easier to work through the storm rather than just waiting through the storm to pass. Um, and, and our mission is still very locked down. And, you know, they, I, I got home about two weeks ago um, in March of 2021. And I, you know, they're still locked down. They, we had about two months where we could teach people in person. Um, and since then it's gone back to being hundred percent locked down again. So, um, very like strong restrictions, uh, and, you know, if you had told me that there were people that would be baptized, um, <laughs> through that, I, I would have laughed at you before. Um, but as soon as we were able to stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God, um, his arm was revealed and, uh, there were uh, the last, you know, five people of my mission that I was able to see baptized were baptized from finding on Facebook. And so I thought that was just an awesome miracle as soon as we exercised a little bit of faith. That's incredible, Jerem. So looking back, what advice would you give to young men that are preparing to go on a mission? One of the most profound things um, that helped me um, was a talk that Elder Holland gave about John chapter 21. Um, and in the experience, he recounts Peter um, going back to fishing. And after his three-year ministry with the Savior, he decides to go back to fishing. Um, and the Savior has to remind him and the other apostles, you know, this isn't, this isn't a temporary thing here. You know, we're not out here just to, you know, see some miracles, have fun, um, and then go back to whoever we were before. Um, this is real. This is the work of the Almighty God. He needs people to feed his sheep and save his lambs. Um, and... As I, as I studied that and internalized that, that was something that became very powerful for me on my mission. Um, you know, whenever I saw missionaries that, you know, didn't love God enough to be obedient, whenever I saw missionaries that, you know, didn't love God enough to, you know, get out of the car and back their companion, or they didn't love God enough to wake up at 6.30, or they didn't love God enough to, you know, follow the, the small rules, um, it, was, it, was, it was heartbreaking. Um, you, you know, it, and it's not a huge deal, you know, if, if you, you know, you can rationalize and justify to yourself that, you know, um, you know, obedience is, is crucial in some things, but not as crucial in other things. And, and you can rationalize that, but before your mission, if you were able to say to yourself, 
you know, I will be obedient. I will commit to those things. Um, and I will be better because I do love God. Um, then, you know, hopefully you can at least understand the first great commandment. Um, just, just one then it is to love the Lord. Um, and so that I, you know, studying preach my gospel and, and studying all those things is, is amazing. And, and, you know, I, I studied it a ton on my mission and I loved it. The book of Mormon, the scriptures, you know, you can study a lot, but until you internalize what you need to do to love the Lord, um, you won't be a powerful or effective missionary. Um, and if you go on the mission on your own terms, um, you will come back on your own terms and you'll probably go less active and you'll probably, you know, end up, you know, not in a place you want to be. And so I would, if, if I could go back and, and tell any missionary or, or, or even myself at times, you know, just any piece of advice would just be to love God enough to, to be obedient, to do the things that you're supposed to. So that would be my biggest advice. That's great. So now you've been home for two weeks. <laughs> tell me how you are still seeking light in your life every day. Oh, man. I it's, it's amazing coming home from a mission. Um, it's, it's a little bit like breaking a fast where you feel like you have all of that power coming to you from the fast, but you're able to, you know, finally, you know, eat, <laughs> you're able to feast a little bit. And so I, it's been amazing. You know, I, I've loved coming home from my mission. I loved, I love my mission and my heart's still there in Detroit. I miss it every day. Um, but probably one of the biggest things that's helped me um, is just my, my mom bought me a study edition of the Book of Mormon. And when I studied Preach My Gospel, I think the third time I was going through it, I highlighted everything um, that you need to do to be a successful missionary and every promised blessing attached to it. I highlighted doctrine and, um, and, and all these in different colors so that they would stand out and, and kind of the why of like why you do things. Um, and so, and now I'm going through the book of Mormon and I'm studying the book of Mormon in that way, finding out things we need to do, finding out the promised blessings, why we do the things that we do. And, and, you know, just very powerful doctrinal statements in there. And, um, also I, I highlighted, I've been adding in things for the plot just to kind of help me understand the plot a little bit better. But, um, that's one thing that's helped me a lot. It's just, just good studies. I listened to a talk in the, in the shower. Um, pretty much every day I, you know, it's, is, is, I feel like as long as you're making a sacrifice, you know, whether if, if you don't have anything going on and you only study for like 20, 30 minutes a day, that's really not that much of a sacrifice, but if you're really busy and you make 20 or 30 minutes to study, like that's huge. Um, so don't get caught up in like, oh, I have to study for X amount of time. You have to study so that it's a sacrifice. You have to do things so that it is a sacrifice. Um, you learn about that in the temple and you make the covenant to sacrifice. And so that's something that's really helped me and brought a lot of, I think just, just power into my life. Um, it's just still sacrificing um, and just doing things every day to, to sacrifice. That's been one of the biggest things that's helped me have more light in my life. And it just, it feels like such a night and day difference coming home the first time or even being home before my mission. 
Jerem, thank you so much for sharing your experience and your testimony and for the beautiful scriptures and analogies that you shared. We're really oh. proud of you. So thank you so much. No problem. It, it was it was great to talk about all this. I, I love talking about it. So keep it fresh. Make sure you're reading your journal, writing in your journal so you don't forget. Definitely, definitely. Thank you, Jerem. Sweet. Thank you, Beth. Appreciate it. Love you. I am so grateful that you listened to my latest podcast. Please share these episodes with your family and friends. I look forward to being with you again soon. Have a great day.